Hello and welcome to the last Wanderer podcast of the 2020-21 season with me Phil Slatter and my co-host Mr George Taylor. Uh, Simon Hall sends his apologies, he can't be with us. Um, Coming up we look back at the final day, we review what might have been done differently, we take a brief look at the possibility of a relegation reprieve and a nostalgic look back at some of the season highlights. So Wickham's campaign ended at the Riverside the other week with a comprehensive 3-0 win over Middlesbrough. The 13-0 win was always going to be too much and even if we had won by that many it wouldn't have been quite enough. Um, But draws for Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham meant that the side who were going to be the worst championship side in history weren't even one of the two worst championship sides this season. All in all George, a respectable end to the campaign. Yeah, good evening Phil. Uh, Thanks for having me on once again. Uh, just want to say uh, I've just got back from having my Covid uh, jab. Uh, I wasn't at Adams Park, I was down at the centre in Marlow uh, and it was marshalled like uh, Paul McCarthy in uh, Jamie Bates' defence. It was absolutely superb, great organisation uh, and just want to say thanks to all the volunteers and if you haven't got your jab yet, go and, go and get yourself booked in. It was a, a very, very good process. So, uh, so yeah, but any, I, I digress. Um, <clears throat> I mean, unprecedented end to the season for Wickham, I think, in uh, in most most respects. Um, I, I, you get funny results at this time of year, and particularly against sort of mid-table teams, um, especially the sort of position that Middlesbrough are in. You know, their players, um, they're all on fairly decent wages, and I'm sure they're, uh, they'll be heading off into the sun at some point when they can, um, probably sooner rather than later. You'd imagine some of them on, a, on one of those early flights to Portugal uh, on Monday. So uh, they probably had half an eye on the beach and, and Wickham showed a, a brilliant, uh, brilliant bit of fight. Unfortunately, it was too little too late, wasn't it? You know, and one more, one more result would have, um, would have seen us in a much different position. So it's, uh, it was a shame in some respects that it was too little too late. But um, uh, it was lovely to, um, <clears throat> to go down with uh, somewhat of a, a flutter. Yeah, I think there was a lot of... Uh... There was a lot of drama going back and forth. It was it's quite nice in some respects to sit back and just watch the drama rather than have to go through the stresses and strains of it. I mean, it was a dramatic day with Rotherham taking the lead and, and then conceding so late and Sheffield Wednesday and Derby going back and forth in a in a 3-3 draw. And I mean, you really felt for the Rotherham fans though, didn't you? Because, I mean, we got close. They were ultimately, if they'd have held on against Cardiff, that might have been enough. I say might because obviously that result then filtered through to um, to Pride Park and um, the Derby Sheffield Wednesday game. And had Rotherham held on, Derby may have gone for it a bit more at the end. Uh, we don't know exactly how that would have played out, but ultimately that, I did feel a bit for them. They've had a huge fixture congestion, terrible, terrible run of form, partly as a result of that congestion, and then to, to concede a goal with two minutes to go. I mean, Mr. Hatful of chances. If that had been us, you'd have been absolutely gutted, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. And those Rotherham fans must have been on a roller coaster on that that last day of the season. I mean, what an up up and down, up and down for them. Because for a lot of part of the of the of the afternoon, they were up, they were staying up, um, and then and then to go down so late in the day must have been. And they're all and be all at home as well and go through that emotion at home. Yeah, I, I felt for them a little bit in in some respects. I really did. I mean, interestingly, Wickham have, um, in the Football League never been relegated on the final day. Every time we've gone into the final day, we've always, uh, we've always managed to, to get the result we've needed to stay up. You know, Lincoln in 99, obviously Torquay, uh, Fleetwood, um, 
couple of years ago, although obviously that was would have been a remarkable combination of results to send us down. So we've never quite felt that pain of being relegated in the in the sort of 90th minute or late on. We very nearly did, obviously. Um, we've obviously felt the pain of being denied promotion late on. Never actually quite had that gut wrenching feeling of, of of losing late on to be to be sent down. But uh, Derby with the side that stayed up. Do you think they were a little bit lucky? I mean, they've ended with a really bad run of form. Take into account as well Sheffield Wednesday's points deduction. I don't think they won any of their six or last six or seven games. So they may be slightly fortunate to stay up with what was it, forty-four points? That's a little bit fortunate, isn't it? Yeah, um, it, it's it's quite a sm- in that league. It's quite a small amount of points to stay up on. Um, usually in the in the twenty-four. Um, 24 team leagues, you, you look for 50, 51, 52 points. I know you can get, you can stay up with less some seasons. It depends how the season pans out. And obviously, Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday's point deduction certainly means that you can stay. You could, you had more chance of staying up with, with lesser points. But it is a small points total. Um, their form over the second half of the season was pretty diabolical. Um, they only picked up uh, 16 points in their last 20. Um, which pretty much saw them bottom of the form league. And actually, of those 16 points, only seven of them came in the last 15 games. So the last the last dozen games or so, they had an absolute stinker. Um, and in some respects, yeah, they did, they did deserve to go down. The only thing that really kind of probably kept them up was the fact that, you know, they, they didn't actually have a... There wasn't a complete disaster early on for them. They were always kind of hovering... In the in the sort of lower part of the of the table, but I think ultimately they, you know, they, they have got a lot of class players there. Let's 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 be honest. Their their squad is a championship squad. I mean, it was only a couple of years ago that they were vying for promotion um, under Frank Lampard. So you know, they, the, the 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 wheels really have come off there in, in quite a spectacular way. And let's let's be honest. It looks like for for, for everything they're going to get a points deduction next year. Um, and I think. Uh, they they need some real significant improvement to uh, to to turn around that points deduction and 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 go forward. It's difficult to see how how Wayne Rooney can continue as manager there in, in a lot of respects because you know since he took over they they they've they've only gone backwards still. So um, it's very difficult time yeah. for the Derby and I feel I feel I feel for do you know what I feel feel for their fans because a lot of this you know it's not this isn't their their fault it's the way that the club's been managed but it it, it does show that you know poor management from the top level of a club in terms of in terms of ownership and and, and turmoil off the pitch reflects and, and mirrors um, performances on the pitch. Yeah, I mean they, there was a time when they sort of seemed to have a almost conveyor belt of managers, pick a manager for a different game, and then they decided that Rooney was going to lead the line. And his first game was in sole charge was, you remember, the, the 1-1 draw against ourselves uh, back at Pride Park when Matt Boonford scored the equaliser. And they, they did actually pick up a bit of form after that, but then uh, sort of fell away again and ended up just staying up. And of the four sides in the relegation fight, we were the ones, and this was a comment from a lot of other fans, we were the side that ended up showing the real fight, even though we had the smallest chance of getting out of it weren't we so we really went down swinging well this is it and actually if you look at that last 15 um games whilst derby were firmly wedged at the bottom with seven points off off 15 um we were actually comfortably mid-table with 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 20 points in this in the same amount of time and actually the last 10 games we 
if you'd have taken the four our form over the last ten games, we would have finished in the playoffs. So um, you know, it goes to show how strong we were uh, in, in the last uh, ten, twelve games or so. Yeah, and that that early start did um, that poor start obviously did uh, did ultimately undo us as we thought it might. But we, we will come to that. As it stands, I mean, there are a lot of legal discussions around Derby, a potential points deduction that could save us. I highly doubt it's going to. I don't want to stick on this point too much. But all I'm going to say is I, I really hope that we can stay out of it and we just let Derby and the EFL and other parties decide. Uh, and if it ends up with us back in the Championship next season, so be it. But I just think we just need to keep clear of it and not get involved and, and what will be will be. If we end up, so be it. But if not, we've seen this before with teams such as Sheffield United. And it, um, remember when they had that big argument with West Ham about the Tevez affair. And I think people just got a bit fed up with Sheffield United's complaining uh, and it's just not a good look and ultimately nothing to do with us really. Uh, absolutely it is, and it is nothing to do with us and, and you know it would be it would be by the sort of almost almost uh, grace. The one thing you could say for Wickham's argument is that you know the infringements that, that Derby have pick, pick, been picked up for they should have actually served their, their punishment this season because they, they relate to, to previous seasons. So the, 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 they should have carried over. And the reason that they haven't is because the um, appeal which the, uh, um, the, the league have won um, took ages to, to, to come through. And actually the punishment for um, uh, subsequent to the appeal will also take a long time to sort out. So it's likely that next season will have started before Derby actually know what their punishment for this is going to be. Um, so they they may well start the season on on uh, on level points with everyone else, uh, and and have a subsequent points deduction later on. So um, it, I mean, it possibly shows you know, if nothing else, it exposes the system in which in which the the league go through this this process and then the subsequent appeals process as well. It just it just seems to drag and drag and drag, and it doesn't do anyone any favors. Um, oh. But I agree, you know, Wickham need to stay well clear of this. What will be, will be. And I, I think it, the, the writing is very clearly on the wall that um, whilst morally probably Derby should have served their punishment in the season that we've just had, it's, it's incredibly likely, if, if not a certainty, that it will, uh, it will be served next season. But also, you could argue if they then had points deducted now, they could say, well, hang on a minute, you should have done it at the start of the season, then we didn't know what we were up against, like Sheffield Wednesday exactly. and things like that. Yeah. And I mean, we saw this with Sheffield Wednesday. They, they actually started, if you remember, on minus 12, and their points deduction was halved in November. And it, to me, I, I just think, come on, you've really got to sort these things out before the season starts. You've got to have a cutoff where you say, right, there's no punishment now. It doesn't happen until it carries on to next season. These things just have to be sorted out before a season starts, because I, I felt that with Wednesday when their points was deducted, the point their point reduction was reduced to six points. Regardless of whether you think it should have been six, twelve, or none, that decision should have been made before a ball was kicked, and then they'd have known where they started, and everyone else would have known where they started. But these, like you say, these things just do drag on. But, completely, completely agree. And what what happens is is that is that the AFL seem to come up with a, with a, of a punishment, and then it's almost uh, it's almost sort of um, uh, argued against by the panel and then by the club that's being punished and they kind of eventually after several weeks and months seem to come to some kind of agreement and that's why the Sheffield Wednesday one was was reduced and it should have actually um, have probably been that from that from the start so it's it, as I say I, I, there's been calls during this process with Derby that this panel 
and this independent panel isn't fit for purpose and that something new needs to happen and to be quite honest it, on the face of it i think that that's uh, that's got some legs or maybe just just set a, you know have a, a pre-existing deadline of when any points are going to be applied if they're not applied by a certain date then they get carried over should it happen and there's, there's a lot of legal ramifications that maybe need to be exactly. fixed for that but anyway moving on to Wickham what we're going to do now is just look back at what could have potentially been done differently in an attempt to uh, to stay in the championship now there are obviously many different facets and so forth that we could we could discuss it but first and foremost our preparation now you remember that great night um, when we beat Oxford and got promoted that was the 13th of July season then kicks off I think just seven weeks later Rotherham and Coventry had a month head start other teams as well had a, had a bit more of a bit more warning how much of damage do you think that had on our preparation for the division the the very quick turnaround from getting up for the playoffs to playing in the championship I don't know I don't know I, it's it's difficult because you because you would think that they would have had half an eye on 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 playing in both divisions last last year. So um, whilst they you know you can't sign anyone or or even really kind of do any deals um, before you know which one which one's which. I think it, I think it possibly would have had an effect. Um, maybe that you know a, an extra an extra sort of weeks training etc. Or um, they they the transfer transfer market would have been slightly different. It's un- it's unquantifiable though. It's difficult. It's difficult to say. I'd like to think that it didn't, and but it, undoubtedly their preparation was tougher than other teams, as you say, the likes of Rotherham, etc. And actually, we go back. We said it from the start. Simon made the point at the very start of the season um, after that first game at Rotherham uh, at home against Rotherham with the late winner uh, for them, and they said that 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 could see us. Uh, done at the end of the season. That that's a massive, massive result. And he said he didn't actually want to play Rotherham in that in that situation first up, but that he rather played one of the more established championship teams that are you know, not going to necessarily be what what would just would you think would be a relegation scrap uh, on the first day of the season. And, and he was right. Everything he said, everything he said came to fruition, and and we did rue that 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 game. And unfortunately, that goal set the tone. I think. Um, going going forward, certainly for the next sort of ten or twelve games, and I just think if we'd have had maybe a draw, maybe maybe hold on for the for the nil nil on that game, or even we we even able to sneak a goal or nil nil on that on that game, I think the season would have been a lot different. But you know, it's you know, there's another argument that we wouldn't have finished with the flourish that we had, and we still may have ended up with the same or even less points. So it's you know, it's it's difficult to know, but it did feel at the time, that that, that, that did it's, cost us. It's easy to goal. forget, though, about the Rotherham game, that we actually did play a week before away at Brentford and got a good draw. And mm. we were perhaps slightly unfortunate not to win that game with 10 men. And maybe yeah. that wasn't the, them playing at full strength. But I think, ultimately, it's a very small issue, the, the lack of preparation time. Uh, the fact that we would have been planning for, they said there were there was... Plan A and Plan B. If we beat Oxford, Plan A, Championship, Plan B, League One. But on the subject of Oxford, I know they're obviously struggling. Now they're going to struggle to, to make the final, but they did make the playoffs. They also had a very slow start to, to their League One campaign, finished with a flourish to make the playoffs. And they too had a very small turnaround from finishing 
their League One when they lost at Wembley to starting the campaign. Similarly, Northampton, they were promoted via the playoffs and were then relegated. Um, Exeter were the losing playoff finalists and they didn't make the playoffs, but I think they actually started the season quite well. So maybe not quite relevant. There are obviously many other facets, but just a small thing, I think that it would have helped to have had two or three more weeks. But um, And maybe the other thing is obviously just the other sides having a bit of a head start. But that leads us on to signings and, and budget. I think with budget, people will say, should they have made more money available? But ultimately, I think you have to say that you can't overstretch yourself and you've got to play within your means, which is what the Kewings are trying to do at Wickham, isn't it? Well, we made this, I made this point many, many weeks ago uh, on this pod, on this pod that, you know, um, I think they've, they've played it well. There, a lot of people were saying, oh, they should have put, they should have spent more on players and et cetera, et cetera. The, the, the amount of times that you see teams try to buy their way into a league and then subsequently fail, the fall that you get from that failure uh, because of the way that players are contracted these days, um, etc., it, it's it can be catastrophic, um, and we've seen it many, many, many times across the leagues, uh, and it just would have been foolish. So I think I think they played it quite well. Uh, I don't, I wouldn't have expected any any more um, from from them on, on that respect, and I actually think they possibly even went a bit deeper than they possibly even needed to, but. I think they, I think they played played it well, person personally. But it, I can see that it's quite a, a subjective, uh, a subjective uh, matter. I think that the thing is with with budgets and that is, it's almost like people say they should have put more money and they should have put more money in. The fact is, relegation is a fact of life in football. And of the ninety two clubs, twelve of them will be relegated at the end of the season. That happens every single year. So to sort of pretend that it's not going to happen or just try and get yourself to, to avoid it is a, is a bit naive because it's like ultimately it could still happen anyway. Uh, and the, the best lesson, I think, if you read David Pond's book, The Beautiful Game, he talks about Bradford when they got into the Premier League uh, in around the 2000s and they stayed up uh, on the final day. They beat Liverpool at home on the final day. They were working within their budget and then they had what was called six weeks of madness and they just went a bit crazy and they completely overspent and they signed, I think it was... Um, Benito Carboni, they really overstretched themselves and then were relegated anyway and then found themselves with this huge wage bill and a load of debt and they sort of fell through the leagues and they're still not, still haven't really recovered. They never really came out from that, yeah. did they? No. They're still, I mean, younger fans will just see them as a sort of League One, League Two side, which is where they sort of yo yoed recently. I know they made the League Cup a few years ago and they've got a fairly decent fan base and quite a good uh, stadium but they just haven't recovered from that and the, the, in the book one of the people that worked for Bradford at the time said what we should have done was just carried on with our budget tried as hard as we could and probably would have gone down anyway um, but we'd have been in a much better position to, to come back up so it's it's a risky business what about the actual players that, that Ainsworth did sign I mean he was very quick to hand out contracts to you know Bloomfield, Akin Fenwa um, and a few others and the new signings he brought in, they kind of were a bit drip-fed. Horgan, McCleary, McCleary came in later on in the season. Uh, Jordan Abita, uh, David Stockdale. Do you think Ainsworth got all of that right? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think he got it wrong. Now, it's, you could argue that there's there's a whole pool of players that he, you could choose from, and we know that Ainsworth only only signs a specific type of player 
um, which narrows the pool down quite well. But I don't think he could have. I don't think he could have done any any worse. Um, arguably, he could have done better because because you know the the pool is so big. But you know, I, I think uh, I was I was pleased with the, with the, with the, generally the the players that came in. Most of them looked like they they were in in for the up for the fight. As a lone player, you ex- you'd expected to be probably in the first team on your first game kind of thing. There's no point in signing a lone player and then keeping them on the bench, is there? So uh, it must be tough for a lone player. Slightly easier if you're on a longer-term loan, season-long loan or something. So a Josh Knight, for instance, it might as well just be a new signing. But again, there's always the sort of the, the sense in the back of his mind that, you know, I've still got a contract at, at my parent club. And there's always a, you know, if, if we go down here, then uh, it doesn't really matter to me because it's, uh, you know, I'll go back to my parent club and I'll be fine kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's, um, there must be something in the back of your mind that, that, that uh, some, even even subconsciously that um, that you've got that in the tank basically. But um, I, I've been very impressed with all the lone players that come in. And I think that's testament to the squad and to the club and to Gareth Ainsworth. So that that was that was um, that for me is an ex- excellent part. And even the guys who signed permanently have been been fairly impressed with. There's a couple of names in there I possibly expected a little bit more. For instance, I thought Daryl Horgan uh, was was great in the first uh, first half of the season and possibly went off the boil a little bit and. In the, in the second half, and um, and that was that was a bit of a, a disappointment. And Ipiazu was is, is quickly become almost a cult hero at the, the, at the club, and uh, he's um, he certainly took a while to get going. He, he was know, injured, he wasn't he? Off with, yeah. But um, you know, if we if he was been firing from from earlier on, then you know th- things could have taken a slightly different turn, perhaps. But there's so many. The thing is with this this last season, there's so many if buts and maybes and marginal calls and. Uh, and things like that that we could we could literally talk about them uh, till the start of next season. I honestly don't think you could really look at any of the players that have brought in and say, no, that was no, we shouldn't have got him in. Now, the, obviously, some of the likes of you know Just Knight and Jesu, Musquay, Stockdale, they've been huge. Jordan Abita hasn't played much. He's looked impressive when he has. Uh, Gareth McCleary's been a little hot and cold, I think, but he, he's ultimately been um, been been positive. Daryl Horgan, as you mentioned, maybe we expected more, certainly in the goals tally. I don't think any of the players that we've signed have, you sort of thought, no, we shouldn't have signed him or you'd want to send back. And also the players that we offered new contracts to, Bloomfield and Akin Fenwell, they've seemed to have really added something. I think Akin Fenwell has added more than people have given him credit for. He gave us that direction to get he was missing for the first few games. It was only when he came back that we actually looked like we were likely to score. The one player that maybe could have featured, and I think has been a bit unfortunate, is uh, Nick Freeman, the forgotten man, who's uh, still um, still a late and I think he's probably coming back. But was that the right decision to release him, a creative midfielder like that? Yeah, I, it, it's a, I, I, he strikes me as being a, uh, um, a sort of almost a marginal call on 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 that that respect. I think he possibly could do. Do a reasonable job last year, and he certainly, 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 season before last in League One, he um, he was certainly a very, very good squad player. I get the feeling that perhaps the the roster next year is is it probably doesn't really have room for him in terms of either the the number of players or the uh, or most prominently the salary um, and the fact that you know if you're going to 
Um, there's probably a couple of names in there who are, who are on a, on more money and are probably going to be ahead of him. And you sort of suspect that maybe next year his game time would be limited. I doubt that he's the cheapest player. I don't think he's the most expensive either. But I think that's probably the reason. I think obviously the ability is there because he, he was in a, a, a promotion winning squad. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect that's possibly the reason, really. I mean, ultimately, if, if Anis Mimetti hadn't signed, then I think Freeman would have featured a lot more. And he, he sort of quickly found himself beneath the pecking order of, of, um, of creative midfielders and Mimetti coming in. I do wonder that maybe we could have kept hold of him as a backup, as a sort of like-for-like for Mimetti, because Mimetti did have that occasional moment when he'd give the ball away or he'd, he'd try and do too much. Um, but apart from that, letting Freeman go to get some game time, again, it's, it's ifs, buts and maybes. I do think that's maybe one area where you do wonder it could have been differently. Things could have been a little helpful in a couple of games had he stayed, but maybe, maybe not. It's, it swings and roundabouts, which leads us on. I mean, I mean, tactically throughout the season, do you think Ainsworth has, obviously specifically, broadly, has he got it right? Uh, in in each of the matches, yeah, I mean it's difficult to to go on to it in sort of a, a granular level, perhaps. But what I would say is that um, is that is that we took we took a long time to find our feet, and I think I think a lot of that was Gareth Ainsworth taking taking a long time to find his feet in the championship. But but find them he did in 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 fairness, and uh, and certainly after the. After the first um, what seven or eight games, I thought we came to life somewhat. You know um, that sort of period of time and sort of uh, was it Watford, Sheffield Wednesday, um, Birmingham. We uh, we were on we were on a, a real roll, and then we had a couple with two or three draws after that, and um, and we were playing we were playing some good stuff. So I think I think it it took everyone at the club time to to adjust to the championship and. And again, that's possibly one of the failings is that that adjustment just took that a little bit too long. You know, there's a, every, most of the players and, and the manager included, we were, everyone was championship virgins. Um, so it took a long time to, to get to grips with the league. It's a very different league to League One. Yeah, I think that you can obviously look at specific matches. I felt QPR away was a really poor performance and I felt that Ainsworth's substitutions in the second half were wrong and too late. And I thought tactically that was a poor game. But at other matches we've lost, I've, I've looked at them and I think, well, he's actually got that right. I think things like Norwich at home, where it was, let's soak up the pressure and try and nick a goal. It mm. nearly worked. Against Reading, it did work. And when you're playing these good sides, I know there were comments afterwards saying we need to be more attack-minded and so forth. But you're playing these decent teams. If you go out and you're all at attack, like against Blackburn in that early game, we, we just would have been picked off. We saw what happened in the game against Brentford as well, where we actually had a really good attacking performance and ended up shipping a load of goals in the last three goals in the last ten minutes with seven goals overall. So I think even games that that first lost, half performance in that Brentford game was 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 brilliant. That was probably the best. That the first half against Brentford and the second half against Swansea were probably the two most exciting yeah. sort of forty-five minutes. And yet we lost seven-two. So yeah, and uh, and shipped a two-goal two-goal lead against. Swansea. I do you think though Spurs, those the first cup was Spurs in the cup, and that was the week before. Uh, yeah. that was the week before the, the Brentford game. You and know, suddenly we, the first first half in that game, we were we were pretty we were we were excellent. Yeah, and just because you lose a game, it doesn't mean the manager's got the tactics right. You sometimes just have to accept 
the technical's wrong, sorry, you sometimes just have to accept that the other team is better than you. I just think maybe those first seven games, although people say if we'd have picked up a few more points, then that might have helped us. Ultimately, we needed to go through that to, uh, to learn and to, in order to improve throughout the season, we needed to learn those lessons and learn them quickly in order for us to, to grow as a side. So I don't think there's much, I mean, you can argue specifics in individual games where he maybe got things wrong, but broadly speaking, I don't think tactically there was much more that we, we could have done. Um, obviously, fans. I think, I think just 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 tactically, I think there was a, there was a, a period uh, where we were shipping a lot of goals, um, and that actually that Brentford game at the at the end of January was was possibly a catalyst for that, uh, because then we we lost three 0 to Notts Forest, we lost two 0 to Sheffield Wednesday, we we did beat Huddersfield, but we still shipped two goals, uh, we lost to Derby. Um, and there was a period of time where it looked like the defence had just just run out of legs, and I think they were they were they were too nervous, they, they were too deep, um, and we weren't um, pressing in midfield as, as as hard enough during those games. And I think that was there was some possibly some tactical changes. Don't get me wrong; all those teams that I've just mentioned were were, were excellent excellent teams. You know, they're they're, they're playing at a, a very high level. Um, and as you say, sometimes you just got to accept that that, that, that you lose to lose to a better team. But you know, possibly one of the, one or two of those results, we did ship too many goals. Um, and you, you know, you turn one of those or two of those into a draw, all of a sudden it's a different story, isn't it? Yeah, but ultimately from those as well. I keep saying ultimately a lot. I don't know why. But from those those matches, that was when Josh Knight was then pushed into midfield, which again made the change and. Our form at the end, you can talk about that and switching to three at the back and what a great effect that had. So he's really learned tactically and it's going to be good to see how, he, how, how things develop next season. Now, fans can't say haven't been in the gap in the ground because we've played, I think it's three matches in front of a crowd. A lot of people sort of say, well, what difference would it, have been, would it have made having the fans in? And people, people think, yeah, yeah, if, if Adam Spark had been packed, it would have made a huge difference here and a huge difference there. I just don't buy it. I don't, I don't think that having, having fans in the ground would have made, it would have made difference to individual games and certain refereeing decisions probably. But I think broadly speaking, I don't think that fans in the ground would have made a huge difference. I, I think it's the same for both teams. Um, mm. The only argument perhaps is that, you know, some teams are, are more motivated and spurred on by their, by their home support. Um, and we did see in in most of the leagues more away points being picked up than we had than we than we've ever seen previously. So maybe that tells us tells a story somewhere. But I'm of the same opinion, Phil. I I don't uh, I don't buy that that fans. I don't think fans would have kept us up. Put it that way. It's, it's swings and roundabouts because, like you say, the away team would there'd have been a lot of away fans at Adams Park as well, making a big noise. A Millwall game, there'd have been Millwall fans behind the goal shouting for decisions in the same way we'd have been shouting for decisions, and at away games. So it's we always like to think that our fans are loud and make a big noise and all this sort of thing. But all fans of all clubs like to think that, and it ultimately probably just balances out. So I, I think you know, obviously things would have been slightly different, but as a, on a broad level, I think we still would have found ourselves down near the bottom. Maybe we'd have got a couple of extra points, but then we might have dropped a couple of extra points elsewhere. It's, it's a bit like the, the cause and effect of refereeing decisions. Uh, the last thing we're going to mention as well is, is the COVID break. Now, January was a very strange month. Uh, we lost to Middlesbrough, and then we uh, beat Preston in the 
FA Cup 4-1, I think it was about April 9th of January. And then didn't play again until the Spurs match, which was right at the end of January, and then into the, the Brentford game, and then the Dower 0-0 with Birmingham. We were on an okay run over Christmas with draws against, draw against QPR and beat Cardiff. How much of an effect did that have, that, that big break because of COVID? Again, it's a little bit if, buts and maybes. At the time, I actually felt that we needed a break. You know, actually having a, having a break, at, particularly at that time of the season, arguably is, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, and we saw from the playoffs the, the, the um, season before that, you know, a long break isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily mean a break in form because, um, you know, look at that, that Fleetwood game. I know Fleetwood were probably undercooked, but we, we looked absolutely uh, tuned to the mark. Um, and I was particularly impressed by our fitness, etc. So um, I'm not sure I could use that as an excuse based on, based on that form, to be honest. Um, but it felt like at the time we needed the break. Did it stifle our form? Yeah, could have been. Um, absolutely. But I, I do think, we... think I think I do think anything anything that stifled our form, actually the, the break probably does did us as, as much good anyway. I mean the, the problem oh, got... Arsenal just scored. Arsenal made it two one no. exciting times. The the, the, sort of, the 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 problem is that when you have when you had this you had that break, we were about I think we were quite close to safety and then when we played our next league game, we'd suddenly, we were quite a few, much further away because other teams had played. So that may have had some psychological effect. But then like you look at Rotherham, I mean, they had several breaks and ended up with a huge fixture congestion. Congestion, I'll get the words out. But you think it was all in their hands, but they just had so many games to play. Um, It's points in the bank versus games in hand, that sort of thing. And again, swings and roundabouts, you know, had we continued with during that game, during that period and played those games, we might have picked up some extra points. We may not have lost. I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that we sort of forget about, but it did seem to sort of stifle our form a little bit because as we said, December, we were looking okay. And then early February was those defeats to, that defeat to Brentford and, Feast of Sheffield Wednesday and Forest and, and those games before we, we picked up coming into the season. So it does look like it had an adverse effect, but then would we have had such a good run towards the end? Would we have beaten Rotherham 3 0 if they hadn't had their um, breaks and they didn't have their fixture congestion? So again, all, all swings and roundabouts, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And lastly, we just thought we'd, uh, we'd end with a few, few favourite moments. What, what, what sort of are your highlights from the season? Anything that really stands out? Well, do you know what? I was thinking about this uh, this morning on my dog walk, and um, there's a couple of couple of points I'd like to make uh, on this one. I I don't have a specific moment as such. The one game I think that that I that lives longer in the memory than most of them would be um, Birmingham away, um, and that was uh, beginning of November. Uh, and it was a midweek, and we were goal down, and it was felt like a, it felt like a, a, a turning point where we really needed to start winning games. Um, and sure enough, sure enough, we did. We 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 bore this one out. We were goal down at half time. Um, Scotty Cash get gets us back into it, uh, and then I think it was an own goal in the end um, that uh, that sealed it in the in the 90th minute. So that to me, I thought was a fantastic game. Great team performance. I think Mometi was. Uh, 
was electric in in in, in for most of the game. Um, uh, and because uh, I think he came on in in the second half and he was he, he turned it around for us and the goal the goal went in not long after he came on um, and it was just um, it was it, that that lives long in the memory. The other favourite moment isn't a, a moment as such, but I want to raise it as a point is um, uh, David Stockdale and actually the goalkeeping situation in the whole. I think both goalkeepers actually had a pretty reasonable season. Um, Stockdale, though, a bit of a strange one, uh, had an absolute mare in, in pre-season, um, complete and utter mare, goes off to on, on loan, and you kind of think, well, maybe that's that, to be honest. You know, we probably won't see much of him again, um, i.e. the fact that, you know, he's probably going to stay out on loan for most of the rest of the season, um, and uh, and then it's good night at, at the end of the season, and he's probably played his last game for the club, and it's all of a sudden you've got a, a guy who's... Um, bit of a cult hero because he's, he's quite sort of um, active on social media. He's um, donated lots of money to local causes, etc. He's really got involved with the club and he typifies uh, the Ainsworth mentality of, of, the, of the, the, the family feel of the club. It was almost a shame to see that happen to him. Um, he, uh, Rocky gets injured, Stockdale comes back on loan and let's face it, he's, he's come back in and he's had an absolute blinder. Um, and you know, I completely didn't expect that, and and that's a for me, it's a great, it's a great story. I feel for Rocky because he didn't actually do a huge amount wrong, and and you kind of almost thought that he was going to go straight back in after after the injury. But uh, fair play to Ainsworth, he stuck with Stockdale, and and, and what a call that was. It's um, it's been been fantastic. It, you know, it looks like uh, Allsop's Allsop's uh, on his way out. Stockdale's uh, Stockdale's in, and, and what a turnaround in our goalkeeping situation because you kind of had Rocky down as being. Uh, uh, our sort of first choice goalkeeper for for the foreseeable, you know, so um, a real turnaround in fortunes there. Yeah, that's definitely one of one of my sort of my highlights was definitely that the last few minutes against Bristol City when he comes up and Simon and I discussed this on the last pod. Just the sheer craziness of of that whole period where he tries to score his left foot, tries to score with his right foot, wins a penalty, and then Akinfenwa gets the goal that we all wanted him to get. I mean, that was a a real uh, real standout moment for anyone, I think, of any season. Just absolutely ridiculous, but it was one of those moments when you've been watching football thirty years, you think you've seen everything, and then suddenly something like that happens. You're like, "Well, I've never actually seen a goalkeeper win a penalty before." Uh, so that that's a definite standout. I've just got uh, two others, really. I'm sort of slightly different. First one is Scott Cash gets equalised against Norwich. I think I've talked about this before because remember we got five nil hammered at Blackburn. Rabbits and headlights could have been double figures, terrible performance. Then in game, that was game two of our, of our seven, uh, seven defeats in a row. And then in game seven, we went away to Norwich and we went one nil down early and you just thought, here we go again. We're going to get hammered again. We're away to the league leaders and they're going to thrash us. But then we forced an equaliser. And for me, that was such a key moment because it was a real moment of defiance to proof that we were actually, we were actually going to fight. We were actually going to battle to, to, to get points and then ultimately we were very unfortunate to lose that game it's like, well we've gone from losing 5-0 could have been worse to being very very unlucky to lose to a side that's going to probably walk the division as they so did so that was a that was a special moment and it really put in some belief that we were going to start picking up points next game we, we drew with Watford and then we went into the Sheffield Wednesday game confident of getting a win and we got uh, and then one other one I'm just going to pick out and this is a very very strange one because it's Scott Cash gets disallowed goal against Coventry 
Now you might think that's a, an odd one to have as a, as a highlight, but we were at that game and one of the things I love about football is the, the rush of emotions you get. You know, you go from feeling nervous to relieved, to joy to despair, all these different spectrum of human emotions in, in a short space of time. And for me, that goal, being at that game, we had all this hope, we're going to get an equaliser, we're going to get an equaliser, the excitement when night hits the volley, and then anticipation that Cashgate might get there, the unbridled joy when Cashgate knocks the ball in the net and we're jumping around, and then the utter despair when the linesman's flag goes up. You just felt all those emotions in, in you know, what, 30 seconds or so for something like that. And it just reminded me of what it's like to be at football. And it was something that we've missed actually being at the game. And I look back on that, I think, yeah, that's, that's kind of why we go. Because there will be other times when we go and we do score in the last minute or we, we do, um, we do get, get an equaliser or an unexpected result. And for me, that was a, a special moment more to do with the, the situation of COVID and football on lockdown rather than the actual season. But that's one I, I just remember because it, it reminded me of, of the joy and the despair of following a football team. Bit only of a funny you, one. Bill, only you could cherish a, a disallowed goal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, may, maybe, I don't, would I cherish it more if it was actually allowed? I don't know, but it was not so much the disallowed goal, but just the sort of the reminder of, of, the, of the thrill of, of going to a live football that we're all going all gonna to get to next season. And, um, we will do a, um, a pre-season pod next year. Uh, when we're back, uh, anything you want to add to that, to this, uh, to bring the curtain down on the Wanderer podcast for, for the 2020-21 season? Yeah, I mean, it's a season that I think we'll, we'll always look back on. Uh, I think, you know, uh, season, seasons come and go and I don't think we'll forget this one in a hurry, you know, just for the, um, for the, for A, Wickham being in the championship, B, the fact that we never, never really got, got to a game, C, the fact that we gave it such a good, good go um, and, and I think actually we've got a lot to be uh, a lot to look forward to in the future I think that the future of the club has never looked so good I think this is a uh, for, for supporters and and, and, and townsfolk of, of Wickham and the surrounding area it's a great time to get involved with the club uh, and, be, and be a part of something that I think is going to be very special with the, over the last uh, over the next few years I, I remember I, I, I put a tweet tweet out a couple of years ago now to say that something very special was going on at Adams Park and, I, and that special thing is, is, is happening. So, um, you know, long may, it, long may it continue. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, we are looking forward to the, the new changes that we're, we're going to see. And one last thing I'll just say on this season is I feel Torquay is obviously a great memory, but one of the reasons that that memory resonates so much is because of what happened afterwards. Now, the following year, we went to Wembley. The year after that, we went to Villa Park. The year after that, we were at White Hart Lane. The year after that, we were promoted. The year after that, we stayed up in League One for the first time ever. And the year after that, we, we won the playoffs again. So the memories of Torquay, everything sort of started then, have just kind of grown since, since time has gone on. And there was the concern that the memories of, of beating Oxford would be diminished if we'd had a, a terrible season. And although we've been relegated, I still look back on that night as, as a really special, memorable time, the time we got into the championship and the fact that we made a good fight of it. We had a couple of bad defeats and you know, probably between five and ten poor performances. The rest of it, I've really enjoyed the journey. I've even enjoyed some of the defeats because we put in a good fight and, and so forth. And those memories haven't diminished, uh, which I think is the ultimate testament to, to how we've how we've fed this this past campaign.
So that really uh, brings us nicely to the end um, of the podcast for this um, this episode and this season. Uh, we are on Twitter at Wanderer Podcast. Um, thank you to everybody who has listened, liked, subscribed, and so forth. Um, we are on um, yeah, so I said we're on Twitter. I've done that bit. We will be back uh, before next season with a preview uh, of of next season. And until then, enjoy the summer, enjoy the European Championships. Come on, England. Uh, let's hope the weather improves and uh, thank you very much for listening to all our ramblings. Wandering with you.